That rendering had been viewed thousands of times on social media. Not a single person said anything about it. And then within <laughs> minutes of posting, the I got the actual sign. sign that we paid to have printed. Somebody's like, museum spelled wrong. You know what, though? That is part of it is that, man, mistakes are always going to happen. And they're going to happen. And they're going to happen. And they're going to happen. And I... No matter how long you do something or how great you get, like the best football players still fumble. Hey, hey, welcome to Smart AF. I'm your host, Tori Mathis. We have got a great show for you today, so let's get started. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the show. I'm Tori Mathis, and I'm here with the one and only Sean Mathis, founder of Miles Through Time Automotive Museum. What's going on? Hey, what's going on? We haven't done a show in a little while because we've been busy and we have been trying to figure out uh, and get the logistics of all of our podcast interviews ready because we're going to have some uh, some people on our show. It's kind of exciting. Sweet. A lot of work. It is. And if, if it's one thing with so many of this, it's that it's, I don't want to say that it's hard. But it is, it's it's hard, and it, you can tell that it's the reason that a lot of people don't do this, is that there are so many little details to work out and to figure out. And I think that most people, once they get a couple of these roadblocks, because there are a lot of them, that it, it's really hard sometimes to push through them and to keep going, because a lot of these, it just seems like it is just like, one thing after another, trying to put all these different pieces together. Well, it's that unfamiliarity too, you know, it's that you don't know exactly what it's going to take or require or anything really, because we haven't done it yet, you know, uh, and it is easier to quit. You know, it's easier to not do it <laughs> than to try to figure all this stuff out and not only figure it out, but then do it kind of shitty initially you know, and I think that's hard for me. It's totally hard for you. Yeah, <laughs> I know it. You know, I I really want to do a nice job of everything that I do. I'd like it to be pretty good. And for some reason, I have this thing in my head that because, and I can understand, because I have a marketing agency, because I'm a designer, because I do video marketing, because I do all these things for clients, that I feel like I'm held to a little bit higher of a standard in but general. Only you do that. What's that? Only you do that to yourself. Oh, no. I've been told. Oh, really? Yeah. What do they know? A couple of times I've put things out that I was like, man, I'm busy. And I've just tried to shove things out. And been, I've had a couple of times, very small, minor things, but told that that things should be a little bit better or things could be a little bit tighter. Yeah. By people that have done nothing? Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The people that will comment will always be the ones that aren't actually, you know, doing the stuff because those people probably don't know what it takes. No. You know, even sending out your email. Sean gets some people responding back to his emails that there are mistakes in the emails. Like, if you don't have somebody professionally editing all of your stuff, and even then, I mean, people put out books all the time that are professionally edited, and they still have mistakes in them. But it's really easy for you to just point out mistakes in an email rather than actually being the guy that's sending out. And you send out more than one weekly email now because you send out a miles through time email. And you set out a you send out an automotive museum guide email, which is better than I do. I try to get these emails out, but it's it's hard. The museum guide one I send out weekly, every every time. The museum for miles through time, 
it's kind of intermittent. Like it, it, de- it depends on if there's enough stuff going on or, or like- if it's just been a while, you know. I try to send one at least monthly with miles through time. But Automotive Museum, God, I got kind of on a kick of uh, just doing it every single week. And I, I think it, it helps on multiple levels. So it's it's beneficial for me to well, do Well, it's it. easy for people, though, to nitpick it if they're not well, actually that's, doing that's it. That's the thing is I... I I still don't want to spend a whole lot of time doing it, you know, and, it, and it's no matter what, it takes time. You know, I, I go in there and I got to fact check all the kind of stuff. And, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty good on that part. The fact check part is much better than if there's some some grammar mistakes or but some words spelled wrong. Like... I, I make a lot of mistakes. And the, and the one email I, I copied and pasted something and the URL was in the wrong spot, did not see it at all. OK, for me, though. I think of it, and I don't want to interrupt you, but I think of it as imagine if you were an, actually an editor and then people pointed out editorial mistakes. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I could see that. See, for me, I, I could care less. I actually then uh, w- once I I found out that I made a, like a major mistake that, you know, there's not not seeing that thing. The the, e- the URL in the very beginning? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, hey, it would be your name, but there's a domain hey in your name. <laughs> like, that's great. It's like a... Well, you know, I like because I've been in the program and I've done things like that. It's just you were copying and pasting it and didn't see that it pasted it in the beginning. Yeah, right? it was a, a yeah, it glitched where it was not supposed to go. So whatever. But I send out the email the following week and I address it. Hey, you probably noticed I screwed up, right? Typos in that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was the the one of the buttons that was on the bottom. Oh my god! Don't tell me museum. I think it was museum. Like, no. <laughs> Museum has been spelt wrong for like the last 35 emails because it's something I don't change. Okay. And somebody immediately was like, uh, you still got something. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So let's <laughs> let's just talk about it and bring it right out in the open. These fingers that bring the magic <laughs> do not know how to type the word museum. For, there's some words that every time I type them out, I type it wrong. And it's just, it's two letters that are switched around. And it's not my brain necessarily. Like, I I know how to spell it. And if I wrote it, I would probably write it correctly. However, when I am typing, these fingers just want to do their own thing. But most people, it's going to auto-correct in their mind. You're, just, you're not going to see that kind of stuff. You did the, the rendering of our new signs at Miles Through Time. And on that rendering, museum was spelt wrong in our logo. I didn't see it. Literally, nobody saw it. That rendering had been viewed thousands of times on social media not a single person said anything about it and then within (laughs) minutes of posting i got the actual sign sign that we paid to have printed somebody's like museum spelled wrong you know what though that is part of it is that man mistakes are always going to happen and they're going to happen and they're going to happen and they're going to happen and i no matter how long you do something or how great you get, like the best football players still fumble. They don't quit completely. Like it's still going to happen. Um, But I can see that that's why a lot of people don't want to go through some of the trouble of doing these things, you know, doing the museum, uh, doing uh, the automotive museum guide, doing podcast interviews, doing, I mean, even like doing YouTube videos and things like that. Like there's a lot of just little detail work type things um, that you got to figure out. It's not always easy. No, it's stressful. It's not only not easy, but sometimes it's, uh, man, it, it, 
it's it can be hard on so many different levels, physically hard, mentally hard. Um, you know what it's hard on for me? It's hard on my sleep. Because yep. for some reason, I can figure it all out at about, about 12.30 at night until about 3 a.m. For some reason, that's when I try to figure it out. So hard on your sleep, hard on your everything. Yeah. And I, I think in the last couple of weeks, there's been several times that, you know, we've gotten a little bit flustered about whatever projects. You know, Sean's got a lot of things going on with the museums, big changes. Um, we also, you know, we've, we've talked about it recently that uh, Sean has bought... Sean has taken on and now runs an antique mall or an antique market. Was it's all the same thing: antique store, antique shop. So, uh, you know, that's our first time having a brick and mortar with actual employees. Like we've had a couple employees, we've had people work for us, assistants, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I've done some project management where I was working with a lot of different people, so I've done that a little bit, but not since I worked at the publishing agency publishing house, which had to be before Riley was born. He's born in 2008. So since 2007, like I haven't been there physically with another employee in that manner. That That's so long. Like that's, it doesn't even, it's not even relevant it's anymore. It's been 15 years that you've been able to just work wherever there's internet. And now all of a sudden we've got this business that's got a shit ton of overhead. Yeah, that, that definitely is. That's um, a, I mean, it's a completely different business model that we're not familiar with even the museum the museum you know it it costs a lot of money to run and it took a lot of my time and all that kind of stuff but i mean ultimately we got it to a point where it was kind of there and and running itself but we've always kept it by by not having control by not having like we always had to it's a give and take and so in order to have our costs really really low we had to not have full control or we had to have somebody a little bit involved. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was so with, with sacrifice. Uh, we sacrificed some very yeah. serious things in order to keep our our costs down, which I think, you know, I've always been like a bootstrappy business owner kind of person. But really sacrificing certain things in your business is not just to keep costs down is not making it better. It's kind of like, a, you know, the less risk, the less reward as well. True. Yeah. I mean, right now we're, we're, we've taken a much larger risk than we have in the past, which is relative, you know, to anything. Right. Um, I mean, you could say people said we take a huge risk because neither of us has like a nine to five jobby job. Right. But well, yeah. this is like, this is yeah. on the scale of like entrepreneurial risk. This definitely is as high as we've been. Yeah. Um, with, you know, a lease and bills and employees and blah, 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 not to mention a business. We probably have no business being in, <laughs> you know, you think so? I, we are not antique people. Who I like cares? I I don't I don't even I know. think of Jamie Saylor. Jamie Saylor is not a so he runs Saylor Physical Therapy. He's not a physical therapist, yet he owns like eight, nine, seven offices all across like Florida and Georgia. He is a businessman. And so he runs a business. He just happens to be running physical therapy businesses. And I think that that's actually okay because then he's not blinded by, you know, being the doer. He is the business guy. So for you, you're not, because you're not like this antique person that had a really great, you know what I mean? Because sometimes the doer people get 
overwhelmed or shiny object with the doing. And so you're the business guy and that's what you're, I think that's good. Oh yeah. I I mean, it it prevents me from like getting all self-absorbed into, you know, these rare antiques or like, I don't really care. I just, I want the business to be profitable, you know, right, right. And, and apply all that, that smart marketing that, that we know and, and put it to the real world test on something that is, is brick and mortar, which we haven't had an opportunity to do for ourselves. Well, we have with the museum since 2017, Check but again, <laughs> <laughs> but again, I, I see, and that's the thing is in my mind, I keep them different. as two separate things because the museum was, it, it's a business. I just, I didn't, it was a business that never made any money. It was just there. And now with the antique store, like it, there's, there's a potential for us to make it Yeah, but even profitable. the museum in the last few years, there's been improvements. You've oh, been yeah. able to raise the price just recently. Yeah. So I think, and I do think you downplay the fact that it's a business a lot. Like it's just the museum. It's just a nonprofit, but it's, it's a business. It makes money. Tons and tons of people come to see it. I am always shocked at like the, not, I'm not shocked. Like there's so many reviews for it and they're so wonderful. And like you just showing me like pictures of Sean on the internet that people posted. <laughs> like it's, it's so neat that it's a, uh, I don't know, it's pretty amazing. And yeah, I don't think you should downplay that. But again, it's one of those things like there's a reason a lot of people don't do it. There's a reason why a lot of these are uh, rich guys collections that they open it now and then. Sean's not the, you know, the rich guy with the huge collect, uh, collection. Sean has, you know, really the one car. Just the one. Um, and and the, technically one motorcycle. You unless know, your mom wants it back. She probably would tell you <laughs> these days that she wants it back. But, uh, but well, and the, the museum has quite a few cars. But there's a reason that people don't do it. There's a lot more that goes into it, you know, than just having a, you know, a nice looking room that people could go see vehicles. Yeah, that the... the Obviously, the marketing of it is huge. The curating the exhibits is a, a major factor, especially when you don't have a large budget. So you're bootstrapping not only the business itself, but how you curate the whole museum. I mean, imagine if we weren't able to print what we do or design what we do or market what It'd we be do. Hard. Like, man, there's a really. I mean, there's the quality lot. would would be drastically lower, or our expenses would be drastically higher. But again, I think some of those things, you know, when it's museum, you don't want to sacrifice that cost. No, no. Because and that's otherwise you lose the whole we entire with. thing with the museum, though, is to have it be about the um, experience of people going there, what they can learn and what they can, you know, the neat things that they could go home and tell people like, man, you got to go there because this, this, that is cool. And so I think if you sacrifice that part of it, which you can, when we go to museums, we can see when they've done that, like the experience is just not as deep. It, there's not that connection that it feels, but you're doing a good job. I try. But there's still, there's a reason why, like, everybody doesn't do it. It's going to be rough. I don't blame them. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. And there there really isn't a day where it's not hard if I'm trying to actively make it better. You know, for a while there, we got to sit back and just be, play the docent role and just talk to people. But even that... Like it doesn't last long because there's always something more you got to be doing. And so I, I've got to keep trying to make it better and better because I could, I could easily be complacent 
do nothing more and just sit there and wait for people to come. But then there's nothing going to bring additional people in. If I'm not actively marketing and uh, in adding new exhibits and doing all these different things, then all of a sudden the the well of visitors dries up and now I'm stuck with nothing. But I think that is the part of the nine to five that we hated that you almost had to be complacent, be complacent, shut up, do what you're told. Don't worry about it being better. Don't worry about doing more. Don't worry about any, just do your job, go home, do your job, go home, do your job, go home. And so the not being complacent is the part that like, that's us, right? you know, making things a little bit better and wanting to do a good job and wanting to see, you know, how much more we can do. And you had a lot of Google reviews. Yep. That's pretty cool. Aren't you proud of that? Like, it's pretty amazing. Every once in a while, we get there's some person that obviously didn't go in there and like some random one, but like for, they're like such glowing, nice, nice reviews. There's only one that's like negative where he actually wrote something that's negative. Was that the I, you don't have any muscle cars? No, it was I drove all the way there. There was nothing. I walked in and out. And went oh, back. no, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was stupid. I'm like, I don't even know what you went there for. Are you talking about the same place? Because I addressed it. And they never responded. Hmm. So it's either fake or for something else or I don't know. But it, it that's a make little extreme sense. though. No, because no, the one that I was, I was just the guy said that um, he there was no muscle cars and he actually bumped it down. Now there's like seven muscle cars in there, so it changes all. And that's that's an easy one. I'm like, look, uh, you know, if you're looking for something specific, you, I mean, you can always ask before you make the trip out there. And if we don't have what you're looking for, then wait because it might be in there eventually. Yeah. That's not. It's you know, it's not my private collection where this is it and it's what it's going to always be unless I buy more. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. So if you're looking for something mm-hmm. specific. Well, they can always ask. call. Yeah, like people yeah. do call and ask how many cars you have or if you yeah. have th- things that are specific. Because I can see that. And again, we've talked about that before. It's that expectation. If somebody is going and expecting the Peterson and they go to Miles Through Time, like, be they'll be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but I think that's it's like that for anything. Yeah. You know? So you know. what, what do you think in the last because you've had a lot of changes in the last three months? What do you think has been the hardest thing? Um, I, I don't. The, the hardest thing is is really probably the layout of the whole museum. Really. Um, because and- because people people are constantly wanting to put their their vehicles on display. Okay. So I don't really have an issue with getting cars or anything like that. I do kind of have an issue with them actually following through and coming in at a, at a, at the time that I need them. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall it, it's the challenge of keeping the museum as full looking as possible. And yet the ability to move cars in and out and accept new, new cars when somebody actually follows through and and brings in what they say they're going to bring in. So then that would make sense why big museums have holding places, right? And that's a really big part well, that's of their why whole in, operations. In Tacoa in the original location, I knew we quickly outgrew the building, but the potential for another building and having it be a storage, storage facility is what I really, really pressed that we needed and it wasn't going to happen, so we moved. 
Yeah, I could see part of one of the reasons because like I, I literally could not do what I needed to do without another spot for cars. Because we went and toured Savoy before they opened, and we went after they opened also. But before they opened, we got to see, and they have a lot of storage. They have some on-site storage, and then they have some off-site, many buildings of mm-hmm. storage and things like that. Um, and it's interesting to see how many vehicles they have compared to what they're actually putting on. And we went to Barber and had a, st- and a, had a tour there as well, and got to see kind of like the back end of a lot of things. And again, there's like a lot of things. They have three warehouses full of hundreds of bikes. Three more? Really? Three total. Wow. So we didn't even see all of that. Um, We just saw some of the things that they didn't have out. So I could see logistically that that's probably something that's important Mm -hmm. for a museum. Especially if you want to change it up. Some of these people that never change anything, I could see that that would not um, be an issue. But yeah, that's... Well, and that's the thing is if it's just, you know, the guy's collection, what, you know, what does he care? It's, It's all just in his warehouse pretty much. But for us, I have to be able to get these cars in and out and have it look full so that it's not empty. And then then the cars kind of have to make sense with where they go. Like I can't just bring random cars in there and park them next to each other. They kind of have to to make sense. So the logistics of organizing the museum is probably the most difficult aspect of it. If you want to call it difficult, it's one of those things that once they're in there, then I can I can maneuver and, and make everything work. I always but, think you do a really nice job. You're like you're, like, you're a Lego person. You always have a way of fitting everything. The thing together. is, is I just I can't do it until the cars are in there. Right. Well, it's funny that you say the follow up is like one of the hardest parts because for me in marketing and in design, you know, dealing with clients, I would say that that is my number one hardest part as well is for clients to properly follow up and get me what they need to when they need to because man it'll just derail everything all your plans i mean <laughs> i'm a planner i like i need to be able to fit everything yeah. and and that really does make it really difficult yeah, if you're doing a big project and you can't go to the next step without you know your client actually providing whatever it is they need to give you to go to the next step it delays more than just that pride. I mean, it delays a, right. a ton of things. Well, and then, you know, we have an assistant that helps us out with things and I have to schedule her out. And so if somebody doesn't do what they say, that I mean, it, go, it goes all the way downhill. Yeah. And so then you try to fill everything back in. And then, of course, when they come back, they're like, I want it done right now because we were supposed to do it two months ago. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. What about for vintage garage antiques? What do you think is the most difficult part so far for that in the last three months? Uh, that part, the most difficult part has been restructuring the vendors that were already there. Uh, so just dealing with them personally or just in general? Uh, in general, what it is, is that the location was a, an antique flea market type deal and people were in there with all kinds of varying degrees of no contract, but, you know, whatever, you know, uh, whatever their terms were that they were in there. And there was very little communication all the way up to the point to where we took over and they're, they're used to whatever they're used to. And in most cases, it wasn't going to fly with, with our business being in there. And so to get them on the same page, it was, it's been a, a, a hit and miss on a lot of them. Uh, so we got rid of a whole lot. But the ones that stayed, 
I've like really embraced the whole concept. And then we've already replaced pretty much everyone that's left. So, um, so I wonder if that's actually a thing because people buy and sell businesses all the time. And then when the new owners come in and they have all these clients or vendors or whatever, like they mix things up. You know, they totally have it. It's in the movies, you know. It's, yeah, but it's, do you think that there's like a plan, or people prepare for that, or they just go into that? Is I think it depends on the size of the company, first of all, and the changes that are being made. For under our circumstances, we weren't going in there with the pretext of we're getting rid of everybody, other than the people that weren't paying anything for their space. Right. right. Um, other than that, like it was on them to leave, and and some of them. I think what they got used to was their particular terms, you know, and so well, yeah, anything if you go and, and you're getting something for free right. and you get it for free and you can do whatever you want. And then all of a sudden somebody goes, well, you know, you actually got to pay just like everybody else. And they had it that good for a while. I could see that they'd be upset. It's not like they have to understand that obviously it can't be like that forever, but I could see that they would be not so happy. Right. Well, and some of that, I mean, that comes down to how they handle that. You know, the the scenario was the same. For everybody, you know, it's not like I pinpointed certain individuals and like, I'm going to gouge you, you know, right. and that, that wasn't the case. Do you think people case. felt that way, though? I, I have. Oh, you had a couple cursy people, right? I, I have. a. Uh, there was a few people that did not take the change. Well, some people don't. Take and I don't know well. the whole story. So, you know, whatever. Um, but that that's definitely that's been the most difficult and, and just getting. Getting everyone that was there on board with how, you know, the new business completely separate from what they're used to. This is how things are going to be now. Mm-hmm. Um, now that it's been a couple months, it's 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 smoothing out. But everybody brand new that's come in from, you know, from nothing too straight yeah. to vintage garage. Uh, that's all they know. So it's been fantastic. Cool. That's good stuff. Lots of big stuff coming, too. Yep. Uh, you're going to be on Good Day Atlanta sometime soon, but you don't have a date, right? No. Nope. So... Keep an eye out for that because that's going to be awesome. We'll have to share some of our experience on that mm-hmm. because um, that'll be the third time. Yeah, and Sean has said that like the the be- the biggest bang for his buck has been Facebook ads, but the biggest bang in general has been being on Good Day in Atlanta. Yeah, right? yeah. So that'll be really exciting. To and a lot of I mean, it hits a completely different demographic, demographic that uh, I don't have to pay for, which is always a win. Yeah. So good stuff. <laughs>